0: hey welcome back everybody it's time to meet our community the hispanic business community here in orange county powered by the orange county hispanic chamber of commerce and orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studios here at the university of california irvine's Beal applied innovation center with a story today that's even going could impress our host, who he's heard it all, but he's never heard this story before, John Gutierrez. Oh, welcome,
1: everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, welcome to the uh, the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce uh, Community Podcast Show. Uh, I'm your host, John Gutierrez, Senior Vice President here at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. We have a special guest with us today. His story is just amazing. Uh, an executive chef who went on to do big things in the community, but also decided to open a nonprofit and help feed the homeless. And we're going to hear his amazing story, Mr. Chef Bill Bracken, who's award-winning chef, founder of Bracken's Kitchen, an OC-based hunger relief nonprofit, over 100,000 nutritious meals monthly to underserved communities, over 450 tons of food rescued between 2021 and 2022, culinary training programs that he has launched. We're going to learn about all those. Mr. Bill Bracken, thank you for being with us here today.
2: Thanks, John. I'm truly honored. i got to say, I've been called a lot of things over the year. I think you're the first one to ever call me special. So I'm feeling really warm right now.
1: (laughs) Well, when you come to our show, we like to... uh, Sorry, uh, Paul over here is giving me the eye. He's like, put his mic up, (laughs) fix it. And and Paul knows um, Bill here really well. He shared with me uh, a lot of the insights to your great, I mean, just inspirational story. Uh, uh, And we're going to get into all that. We're going to go into, uh, from my understanding, everything from not only being an executive chef at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills for 12 years, and then later going on to the Island Hotel in Newport Beach for seven years. And then, of course, right after that, for 10 years now, you opened your nonprofit, which started with the food truck feeding homeless and low-income families. I mean, what a story. It's just an amazing story. But before that, and of course, before we go into the, the delicious cookies you brought us and that story, <laughs> so stay tuned for that, um, we want to learn about you. Okay. you know, can you share with us where you grew up? I know you got the Kansas City hat here, the Chiefs. <laughs> share with us a little bit about you, where you were born, where you were raised, and, and the journey, how you got to, to, to be a chef.
2: Uh, Boy, I haven't talked about that in a long time. Thank you. Um, Is that okay? Is that too much? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's funny. For years, you know, in Beverly Hills, I'd always just say I'm just a simple country boy from Kansas. And my boss would always hate that because you're in Beverly Hills. You're at the Peninsula. You're at a five-star, 5 diamond, the best hotel in America. There's nothing simple about us. But it, it truly is my roots. And, you know, a few years ago, my wife and I decided to get tattoos for our wedding anniversary. And we got crosses, and she got a small little one that says faith in the cross. And Aww. I put a real big one on my arm here, and nice. it's got two knives, part of the cross, and it's got a biblical passage in there. But at the bottom of the the, the cross is uh, the arrowhead from the chiefs, and, and it's got the Ken C. Royals um, uh, lettering and wording on it. And I never really finished the tattoo, but I share that story because— I'm, I, while I love sports, I'm not that fanatical of a sports fan. But I needed something to really, uh, to, to if that cross was in the ground, the roots to that cross would hold it up. With truly my Midwestern roots, and just growing up in a small town of about a thousand people, where you know life's a whole lot different back then. As a kid, you know I started cooking at home when I was really lo- young, and I loved it. And it's you know nine o'clock at night on a whatever night it was, and I'm you know ten years old and making cookies. I still know Nestle's. Toll House cookie recipe by heart. Um, and I am out of butter. And I'm like, I'm knocking on the neighbor's door asking, can I borrow a stick of butter or can I borrow some sugar or vanilla?
1: That's cool. And,
2: I mean, you don't do that in the world today. Yes, Maybe you still do back home, but out here. But that was just the world I grew up in. Everybody knew each other. Everybody trusted each other. Everybody took care of each other. It's a small town world. So, um, you know, sometimes I still look back and I spent a whole lot more time in Southern California, 30 some years versus my 21 years in Kansas. And, uh, but you know, I realized how important, especially children is those, those formative years that really shape who you are. And that's what really shaped me and helped lead me to where we are today. It's growing up in a small Midwestern town.
1: That's inspirational to hear because my son, Eli, he's 10 years old. He's gonna be 11 or he's actually 11 already. Um, and my wife and him, we're always cooking in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I actually, I'm not a very good cook. So I'll sit there and watch him mm-hmm. with my wife do like dumplings and other <laughs> things that my wife's teaching him to do. He really enjoys it at that age. And so it's interesting that you're sharing with us today how, how did that happen though at such a young age? How did you get in the kitchen? Like, did your mom bring you in there? Like, where was the inspiration from?
2: Um, it's very interesting when you ask that question because I, I wish there were some really romantic uh, inspiration behind it other than I loved food my mom was an amazing cook my grandma bracken was um and I loved to eat and you know I am the youngest of four kids I had three older sisters that's a whole nother story and the abuse of what it's like to grow up with three older sisters picked on you, huh? Oh yeah but <laughs> we'll save that for another time but uh you know when I turned I think 5 years old and started school mom went back to work so I found myself home a lot and I, I had to cook for myself I just started cooking and you know, I, I always knew as I got older that I would, um, well, even to back up, but uh, you know, in Kansas, especially in the summer, kids get jobs. You're either working in a field, detassling corn or tossing bales of hay, or there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, really? there was two wow. restaurants in town and my sister was a waitress. in so one of them, she managed to get me a job when I was 12 as a dishwasher. And before I'm 13, I'm already cooking. And, um, thank God, because that kept me out of the, the hot cornfields. <laughs> wow. uh, and that was really where it all started. And, and, you know, there was literally, like I said, two restaurants in town. I went from one to the other. And I knew, uh, you know, in high school, I wasn't going to college. Uh, you know, school was hard for me. I know now why I have ADD back then. You didn't know it. I just couldn't remember anything. Um, but uh, senior year in high school, I, you know, you had to be in school the whole day back then. And I had Everything I need to graduate, but like three classes. So I was senior year, I was a counselor's aide, I was a library aide, I was a cafeteria attendant doing something to be in school. Um, And I remember in the springtime when I was about ready to graduate, the counselor, uh, Marilyn Miller, asked me, So, Bill, what are you going to do after high school? And it was like, Someone just hit me over the head with a brick and woke me up. It's like, oh, my God, I'm graduating in three months. What am I going to do? I hadn't a clue. Would I just go get a job or Scary something? moment. Oh, yeah. And, you know, mom and dad, God bless them. They, uh, You know, all my sisters went to college. I think by the time I came around, they were done with all that stuff and just left me to my own device or maybe that also because I was pretty stubborn as a young man. Um, But she suggests I go to vocational school. And so I went to two years of vocational school in Kansas. And then two years in a row, I went to a state and then national competition. And the the second year, I won the national competition. I won a scholarship to the Culinary Institute of America. I'd never even heard of it. And I'll never forget standing on the stage. It's They call it the culinary or the skill Olympics. So, you know, 20,000 students in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we're up on the getting our gold medals, just like the Olympics. You're bound, uh, you know, bending over and getting uh, the gold medal put over your shoulder. And cute little girl next to me won second place, and she got a set of steak knives. And I was working her, both trying to get her phone number <laughs> and to get the steak the knives, not steak knives, but knives. And they yeah. were, really were were cheap plastic-handled knives, but back then they were the coolest knives I'd ever you're seen. like, I want some of those. I never saw this CIA or heard of that. I'm like, I don't want this, you know, $500. You know, scholarship. I thank God she didn't uh, switch with me and take the scholarship and give me the knives because I wouldn't be sitting here right now. But uh, no way. Yeah, I remember coming home and showing dad this what I won. He's like, "Well, I guess if you're going to make a career out of this cooking thing, you better <laughs> figure it out." So, you know, I mean, there was no computers back then. There's no internet. So, so uh, to win yeah.
1: that scholarship, what did you make, or what do you remember?
2: Oh yeah, it was. Um,
1: You do you mind sharing?
2: (laughs) Nothing too fancy back then. I mean, a vocational school in Kansas and, you know, in a culinary competition, it was a three-course meal. I remember the entree was chicken cordon bleu, which is chicken stuffed with ham and cheese and everything. Nice. And the dessert was— That sounds good
1: right now. (laughs) You know,
2: a a good chicken cordon bleu is really good, but you don't see it in restaurants too much these days. And uh, I made an apple turnover for dessert, and ironically, I made the same apple turnover the year before. Uh, and my Apple turnover was raw. I ran out of time, and that's why I didn't win the previous year. So So I got my Apple turnover right the next year. Get it done.
1: Get it done. Wow. So you win this scholarship. You go on then to the culinary school, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I... I worked for a year, I mean, again, I, I, mar- I marvel and think about, like, I have two older kids, and I got a 13-year-old home, and so we're about to the point to start thinking about college again, and it's like, go on the line, go on the internet search, and back then, yeah. I don't remember how I learned more about the Corning Institute of in America. I must have called them up, and they must have sent something in the mail, and you waited for it to come, and you look at the brochures, but, you know, we decided to go. It wasn't cheap. You know, I, I, I saved for a year and worked after I got out vocational school, and off to the CIA I went, and, you know, two years later, graduated, and... I remember you know, Four Seasons Hotel is one of the premier hotel companies in the world today, it's simply one of the best, like the Ritz Carlton, and I had mean, never heard of them either. Wow. There was a resort down in the lake of the Ozarks called the Four Seasons Resort.
1: And I you go that. over there and apply?
2: <laughs> no, I just, it wasn't the same Four Seasons. That's the only thing I knew Four Seasons. Um, but I ended up getting going to work out of culinary school with the Four Seasons Hotels, and that was my, my entrance into luxury hotels. And I spent the next 25 years in five star, five diamond hotels. So, Truly was. If you don't believe in God, then there's something out there that was directed to me. Uh, you know, I believe it was God directing me every step of the way, right wow. here to where we are today. So
1: That is amazing. How did you end up working as an executive chef at the Peninsula Beverly Hills Hotel? Because, I mean, I know Paul over here. That was the first thing he brought up when we walked into the studio, right, Paul?
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, this is as fancy as it gets. This is the top of the top. So to go from being an executive, he runs the kitchens. He runs all the food and beverage in this whole massive uh, resort. That's a big this operation, five star hotel. Yeah, he goes from that to and then to another hotel, and somewhere along the way, this is what I want to hear: why he leaves that. I know there's some economic downturn, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but he goes from that to buying a food truck, which they used to call Betsy, I think. Yeah. This old beat up food truck and driving around in Santa Ana, an executive chef. That's from my Beverly hometown.
2: <laughs> Santa Ana. Come on. <laughs> trying to feed the homeless? I that, just wanted to be the chingon in Santa Ana. That's all <laughs> I guess so.
1: So you're at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills. What's that like for you? Small town kid, right? Now you're at this fancy. I mean, of course you had already kind of worked your way up. But that was that was a big thing, like Paul says. You
2: know, you know movie stars, celebrities. We don't have enough time.
1: Some good to ones to tell you
2: all the stories. Really? That I can tell you as wow. big
1: as they get. Yeah. John uh, Wayne or who? Like
2: uh, Sylvester Wilson. Stallone, Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise. And you got to
1: meet these guys. Oh
2: yeah! Uh, wow. I mean, it was a journey, and um,
1: what a cool experience.
2: Yeah, uh, you know. Um, when I first went there, I was—I would never be the guy to ask for an autograph. That's just not my style, or get a picture taken. I kind of wish I had pictures with all these people I met, but—but but like most people, I was starstruck. It's pretty, pretty cool, and it didn't take me long to realize that, you know, they're no different than you and I. The, exactly. The, the famous, and um, some of them aren't really nice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, some of them are downright mean if their breakfast isn't cooked just right. Wow. <laughs> you know, and I realized it. But you know, it was there that I realized, yeah. John, that. Um, uh, and it took me a long time to figure it out, but it's then I realized that there, and I feel today that there's nothing on this earth that's more opinionated than food. Nothing evokes more passion and emotion in a person than food. I love that. And coming from a small town where food was just a way of life, whether it was a, you know, weddings, funerals, the Friday night fish fry at the VFW, or I still have fond memories of the the sloppy joes or the beef burgers at the annual fall festival food was just central to everything we did and you know i find myself in beverly hills and again nothing more opinion they not art literature music i mean and i didn't understand that but i live that every day of my life i mean you went home every day feeling like you failed because even if just one person complained about their food you could have 250 happy customers in the restaurant but one person complains and I always said you're only as good as your last meal served and so it really was this huge yin and yang thing I mean Interesting. one minute you're you're on top of the world because of what you're doing and who you're serving the quality of what you're doing and the other side you're like you failed today and you know I worked for a man who was wasn't easy to yeah. work for and he yeah. had he expected perfection and everything so But you
1: when yeah. you work around like you said those kind of people it's almost like what is perfection yeah. right can you ever really hit perfection? You have to hit perfection every day, like you yeah, said. Yeah. Wow, that must have been tough then.
2: Well, you know, you know, one of the pieces of advice I was given early on when I landed in Beverly Hills is that no matter how how close you get to certain people and that live a, a different lifestyle than us, you may be in their house, you may be in their home, you may think you're part of their lives, but you're not. And I don't say that in a negative way, but I realized that when I did eventually start Bracken's Kitchen that, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I was there to serve them. And I don't say that negatively or, or being critical. Uh, you know, I, I feel, feel the purpose. Yes. You know, um, you know, you may get close to people. Some people you'll develop relationships with and friendships with. But at the end of the day, when you go buy a car at the car dealer, you may get to know the dealer or the salesman or whatever. You may become kind of close. But you're not buddies. And you're not hanging out next week at... The house. I mean, you provide. You know, you bought a car. He provided a service. Same thing with the mechanics. I mean, and that's what it really is in the restaurant business. You can build some relationships around food, but then the day, you know, my years in Beverly Hills, I was there to provide a service to people who could pay top dollar for the best service possible, and that's what we were expected to deliver every day.
1: Then you went on to the Island Hotel in Newport Beach for seven years, and then somewhere along the way there, you decided that you were going to open a nonprofit mm. and. You launched Betsy over here that Paul talks about, (laughs) right? The food truck that would feed homeless, low-income families. But like Paul mentioned earlier, you were feeding them some really good stuff. Where did that come from?
2: Well, you know, I, I am a man of faith, and I really felt that God called me to this. You know, 2008, the economy tanked, and I watched a lot of really, really good people lose their jobs when there was no jobs out there. I mean, friends that I knew very well suddenly didn't wives, newborn kids at home, they had no income. Um, and I watched them struggle just to pay their mortgage or their rent to stay in their house at home and food suddenly became, you know, luxury. And when you're struggling, food is usually the first thing to go for everybody. Yes. You got to pay your rent. You got to take care of your kids if you need medicine, doctor. So, I mean, I saw that firsthand through 2008, nine and a little bit of 2010. And then, you know, 2011, uh, Uh, I got quit. (laughs) You know, that's code word for I got let go too at the tail end of the economic downturn. And um, I I really knew then that that God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it took me a while to figure it out. Okay, if I'm called to feed people, all I know how to do is cook. I don't know how to run a food bank or a food pantry or anything, so I'm going to cook food for them. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. I volunteered for two and a half years at the Orange County Rescue Mission trying to figure out how, what, you know, what does that non-profit world look like? So um, you learned there? Oh, yeah. I that's learned a lot awesome. there and, you know, did my, my share of research. Studying doesn't come easy for me. That's why I didn't go to college. But I tried to figure out what I could. And, uh, you know, one day I'm sitting at Starbucks. I, I never really became a coffee drinker, but that became my office after I was, you know, out of the hotel world. And a food truck went by and, you know, just light bulbs went off. Ding, ding, ding. And Boom. You know, let me bring the food to the people. That and, was your uh, aha moment. It was. Yeah. it was like... Um, I never wanted it to be called Bracken's Kitchen. I didn't want it to be about me. I never thought this would be my full-time thing. Uh, a good friend of mine who's no longer with us, she insisted I put my name on it because uh, because of the, the recognition I'd gotten as a chef. Um, and I think it was one of the best moves made. Uh, i made. I, made. I do dream of a day when it, my name is off of it, and it doesn't. It's not about me. But I think for the time, the last 10 years... But that
1: so, was also your grandmother's name right or yeah I mean the pers- family name personally right? it's really very it's really important cool. to me
2: because I mean my whole family has been you know very small town rural people that just took care of each other yes but I don't want it to be about me it was about the work we're doing and along the way I realized there is a story behind this guy who went from Beverly Hills to the streets of Santa Ana and it's why a-
1: Santa Ana if you don't mind me asking that well how did it like how did that come up? the whole santa Ana thing? because I mean Santa Ana's my hometown, and I, tr- let me tell you, I feel very connected to yeah. you that that Bill shared earlier that you went into the Santa Ana to feed the community there. and by the way, thank you. I appreciate that because as a kid from Santa Ana, I know how tough it is to grow yeah. up in Santa Ana. How did that come about?
2: Well, I you know if I look back over the last ten years there's been you know our fair share of planning and trying to figure out and being wise and creating strategic plans and figuring out what we're going to do but then a whole lot of that is again whether it's fate destiny god whatever you believe in but we started out raising the money to start a food to buy a food truck and then suddenly Betsy was donated to us no way donate it yeah she was an old food truck she had to rebuild it uh not a whole lot she was still used regularly um uh, a guy by the name of bruce up in la owned a catering company he catered to the movie sets and tv sets and betsy like i used to feed the rich and famous and bruce went on to buy a whole lot more food trucks and betsy just sat out in the back and wow. you know once or twice a year she went out during pilot season How cool and is that i mean there's a lot of those moments disconnect so we suddenly you know 2014 we had a food truck I'm like what am i gonna do and i'm like okay Right, let's be smart about it. I'm not gonna go out looking for hungry people. Let's come alongside other nonprofits that are already providing a multitude of good uh, and services. Foods is not one of them. So Illumination Foundation was one of the first. We still work with them today and um, huge. And yeah, and they have a they have a house in uh, or they had a after school program in Santa Ana and it was called the Ross Street House. And so we started yes. being there every Tuesday night and wow. there's a, a generation of Hispanic kids out there that still call me Uncle Bill. You wow. know, um, every now and then I get to see them again so many years later. And it's just, uh, you know, we because of IF, we, we, we ended up there. But obviously from Garden Grove to Westminster, so, I mean, all communities across America have people in need. But we know the marginalized communities, you know, need it the most. And Santa Ana just happens to be one of them with so many immigrants working there. And, you know, the, I didn't realize even how many... Uh, uh, Vietnamese or uh, mm-hmm. Asian people are in San. It's a Indiana, melting right pot. Edge,
1: San is yeah. a melting yeah, pot. Really There's is. a lot of people from different communities there, although predominantly Hispanic. Yeah. but there is a lot of the Cambodians, you know, Vietnamese. Yeah. There's a little yeah. bit of everything in there.
2: And our our kitchens right on the border between Garden Grove and them, so we're literally right in the in the center of the melting pot. We go this way, and that, but that also helps us. And the food truck keeps us connected to those communities. I mean, those hundred thousand meals or more a month you're talking about, they don't go out. Those don't go out with the food truck. They're going out. You know, in so many other ways and avenues with partners, and but the food truck keeps us connected, and we know who's in the community. I'm not going to send uh, carnitas to my Vietnamese friends, and yeah. I'm not going to send. Pho Wait, do you to- make carnitas? <laughs> oh yeah. Are you kidding <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah. No way. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's actually. You know, we have a lot of shelter partners that we work with. I mean, a report actually just came out in the news uh, today about how how far behind Orange County is in their. uh attempt to, to help the homeless and right now it's been the worst weather we've seen in a long time and there's no cold weather shelter for homeless for the first time in years so people that are still sleeping in riverbeds and flood channels are just getting you know, pounded pounded right now yeah. with the weather but yeah. uh, but we'd work with a lot of shelters and we got a cycle menu and carnitas are on there every tuesday it's taco tuesday whether it's carnitas, fajitas, uh, it's good old fashioned Taco Bell style tacos, or <laughs> we make a mean taco casserole or an enchilada casserole, really Paul, <laughs> we gotta
0: we gotta go hang out with Bill more, I'm right? I'm telling you. <laughs> can I ask him one question? Because sure. he's been on the show, before, other shows we've had in the past. Yes. And I've been very impressed with his story. Very impressed. From Beverly Hills to the streets of Santa Ana, not many people make that journey. Uh, sometimes the other way, but not uh, yeah. not by choice to go back and, and work in the streets here. When you walk up to homeless people or people that are hungry in these communities, was the urge just to give them what they're already familiar with, pho to a Vietnamese place, carnitas to a Hispanic? You seem to say, let's be creative. You've, you've built your career on building high and fancy food, creative <laughs> stuff, tasty stuff. And was there an impulse to try and bring... Fancy, good, different stuff to people who've never, probably never tasted stuff. And if so, what was the reaction?
2: Well, first of all, I got to make sure you don't give me too much credit. Um, <laughs> you
0: know, I can't give you there's too a whole team. much credit. So well, there's a whole team well, of well, you. The a yeah. yeah.
2: whole team for sure. But I got to be honest with you, and I'll, I'll try to keep this story short because uh, I can talk too much sometimes. We love stories. <laughs> we I when I started Bracken's Kitchen, I was determined to not feed the homeless. Um, I I had a lot of reasons for that. I won't waste time getting into it now, but I wanted to focus on those families and those people living on the economic cliff, those who had to choose between food and other life necessities on a regular basis. Truth be told, I was scared to death of homeless people. Yeah. Big, bad, tough Bill Bracken was scared of him. I don't know why there was nothing logical. And I mean, there was a story about a hug when a, a homeless woman named Ruby after feeding her asked for one more thing and she just wanted a hug. And I was petrified and I ended up hugging her and this whole group of my friends had lived off of flower street. But I, I tried to stay away from those, 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 that population, um, with everything I had, but you know, God had other plans and, you know, to kind of answer your question, Paul, I hope I can. Um, you know, when I first started out, I, I tried to leverage every relationship with every vendor I've ever purchased from, you know, 25 years of buying produce, meat, chicken, fish from everybody. Um, and it was the cheapest things I could buy. Um, And again, cooking is all I know, and I only know how to do it one way, and that's the way I've been cooking my whole life. But then, you know, then became this awareness of the epidemic of waste in America and the amount of food that we still throw away today, even after the pandemic and all the hurting and suffering up to 40% of our food supply. I have prime bone in Kobe strip loin in my freezer right now. I have shrimp that was meant to go to Whole Foods Market. I have salmon. I mean, you name it, we have it in the freezer, all products that would have gone in the landfill if someone didn't do the right thing and donate it to us. So, you know, we were given, Paul, these beautiful products to work with. So why not use them to feed people who need it? I remember early on in Bracken's Kitchen, the only thing we had to use for marketing is social media. So we started posting it. I remember there was a fair share of people that wanted to know, why would you feed such wonderful food to homeless people when other people don't even eat that well? It's like... What do you want me to do, throw it away? I mean, wow. this is food that's setting here, and I'm, in, I'm not a, a member of PETA. I'm not a yeah. animal rights activist. I'm a good old-fashioned meat and potatoes boy from the Midwest, but I believe that we have an awesome responsibility uh, as a human race, and if we're going to take the life of an animal, we should use it for the intended purpose, to feed people. To slaughter a cow and throw 30, 40% of it away, it's just – criminal so it's crazy give me all that kobe beef give me all those pork loins and those shrimp and we'll make something really nice and feed people with them so i don't know if that answered your question paul but but hopefully i (laughs) love that i love what he said though
0: but the assumption is let me just i'm sorry to jump in the assumption is that when you go down and feed homeless people people who probably have only lived on it's true marginal food it's true they've never tasted kobe beef they've never tasted salmon or all these sort of things and that you're getting donated and doing what was the reaction? Because remember one time you came, you said, just because they're poor doesn't mean they have to eat bad. Exactly.
2: Well, we've we've realized, uh, you know, what is the reaction more than anything? You know, there's a lot of people out there trying to help and do good. There's a lot of, I say this often all the time, there's a lot of grandmas out there making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at home and putting them in a brown bag and giving them to somebody. Yeah. But I believe fully in the power of food. I mean, Uh, We all share the two most basic human needs for survival, the need to breathe and the need to eat. The problem is air is free and food is not. And it's that simple fact that gives food so much power over a person's life. Whether you're that celebrity in Beverly Hills who's yelling at me because his oatmeal wasn't made right or whether you're someone living on the street who doesn't know where the next meal is going to come from, food plays a powerful role. So when we come out to someone with a a tasty, nutritious meal that was – you know it's made with love and we're serving it in a way that matters you know not here's a, here's some food go eat we food truck tables chairs music i mean they sense and they feel and they really really truly appreciate that i mean we've we that doesn't mean that you know every day now where we work with homeless shelters there isn't challenges because you have a homeless person that was brought in off the street and they've been diving into a dumpster for the last five years of their life and they're suddenly putting something in front of them that's tasty and nutritious there's a there's an adjustment period. What is arugula? You know, we have to be wise in what we serve them and how we serve it to them. So tasty, nutritious can't be exotic. You know, if, if we got a whole bunch of lamb donated, we're not going to tell them it's lamb. We're going to call it and we're going to make a stew out of it and call it Hunter's Yeah. you know, and it's pretty good stew. And somebody will eventually ask you what's the meat in it. And you just, You know, try to avoid it while there's lamb and there's duck and there's uh, all these things. But But you you got to get creative, you
1: know? (laughs) Well, it's interesting because the reason why we like to ask people to tell us their story from the beginning to where they're at today is because I like to see where in your story there's a full circle connection. And I almost feel like when you were at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills, something was missing in the soul. And it, I almost feel like what you're doing today... Have you heard my story? <laughs> ...is feeding your your soul.
2: I tell this story often, and um, I spent most of my adult life trying to fill an empty spot inside of my, literally my very existence. Yes. Um, you know, if you, you I, I saw this picture, you notice my red... Watch? Uh, watch, yeah. my uh, G-Shock, it's yeah. not red here, but it's black, but... You know, I remember my boss giving me so much grief that you got to get a fancier, watching that. You're the chef of the Peninsula Beverly Hills. Get rid of that. Really? You know, so I mean, so many things I went through, and, and in my journey, I'm just this simple guy from Kansas. You know, through it all, marriage, failed marriage, relationships, career success, Man, or sitting I, at
1: Starbucks after yeah, you, right? You did I mean, And the truck goes by, and
2: I mean, at the at the lowest part in my life, I sat alone in a uh, in a a house in the West side of LA. And I considered just ending it all. I mean, I'm the executive chef, the number one hotel, but there's something missing. And, you know, I, I got my life right back with God in 2008 and 2007. I thought that's it. What's missing is God in my life, but there was still something missing. And uh, I spent my life trying to fill that void. I never, thank God, I never turned to drugs and alcohol and everything, but I've always known there was something missing inside me. And, I mean, at the lowest part of the Bracken's Kitchen journey, I was literally on my knees on an empty street corner in Santa Ana with a beat-up old food truck next to me, and I'm crying out to God, why? It's, what have you brought me to? I went from the top 2% to bottom 10%, but somewhere along that journey, I suddenly realized that that hole is gone, that, that missing piece is gone. I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to do, and I believe all of us have a calling on this earth, whether we know it or not, whether we fulfill it or not. Um... And the sad truth is a lot of people try to uh, fill that void with all the things that they shouldn't be filling it with. So thank God I found mine.
1: (laughs) Well, it's beautiful that I think today you're filling that hole with these beautiful smiles from whether it's children in Santa Ana or low-income families or the homeless. Like there's no price to that that compares to sitting at maybe a Beverly Hills Hotel and of course, unfortunately, being being critiqued by like a famous celebrity, yeah, yeah. right? It's just two different worlds, right? Absolutely. And, and 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 thank you, thank you for for what you're doing and for Bracken's Kitchen, what they're doing because we need more of that. Um, share with us a story about these cookies you brought, <laughs> if you don't mind. You, he brought us these delicious cookies, by the way. They show the camera over here, and we got to eat some. <laughs> and, of them. And Paul over here was
2: like,
0: "Yes." I thought Paul already <laughs> ate one. <laughs> I ate a couple don't, already. Don't tell, don't say it. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, you asked me if we made them when I gave them to you. I'm I, not going to lie. I'm not going to say, yeah, we made them. Uh, we didn't. Um, but, you know, when we landed in our kitchen now, we got uh, 17,000 square feet in two buildings in Garden Grove, right wow. on the edge of Santa Ana. That's and amazing. 2018, we landed in the, in the building with the very, very generous support of a friend I've known for years who bought the building for us. But when we landed there, we kind of, um, before I realized it's Mother Teresa's motto, we just, we wanted to make sure that anybody came to us. We just loved on them and I used to brag that we have the happiest trash men in America because the guy pulled up to empty the trash and we're giving him food and drinks and just taking care of him. And somewhere along the line, somebody reminded me, Mother Teresa said this years ago, that let no one come to us without leaving better and happier. And obviously food is our main conduit to just love and help people. Ultimately, Bracken's Kitchen, you know, exists for one reason and one reason only, and that's to help people. And there's a gentleman that goes to my church. His name is Ben. He's a retired LAPD cop. You would never expect him to be a cookie maker. But he, he was a volunteer with us uh, regularly. And one day along the line, I heard his dream about Binky's Cookies. There's no logo on this, but these are Binky's Cookies. And Ben has had these cookies in his family's recipe, recipe these cookie recipe in his family for years. And he wanted to launch his own cookie business. And I look at Ben, this older than me, but big, tough cop, LAPD. I mean, the job in, in LA.
1: And you want to make cookies? And you exactly.
2: <laughs> and I, I flash back to you know growing up as a kid that no respectable man is in the kitchen. My dad, I think, I think my dad struggled for years trying to. My son is going to be a, a cook, you know. But we helped him launch his cookie business, and um, every now and then we order some from him, and we ordered a bunch of them from him for some of our gifts, and you know we brought some to you today. Pretty darn good cookies too.
1: But let's not forget when you started your story today, you said. I started cooking in the kitchen at 10 years old,
2: mm.
1: making cookies. Uh-huh.
2: Oh, yeah. Full circle. Right? There was the, a lot of those full circle full moments. Full circle, here. right?
1: It, like you said, God works yeah. in mysterious ways. Here's this gentleman who now is making cookies. And maybe that hit home. Like, I was like, you know, that kid started making cookies. I mean, look where you're at today. This is
2: pretty there's amazing. A, there's a movie that was produced uh, by Paul Haggis, who was a friend of mine from my Beverly Hills days. It was called Crash. Okay. And I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's a very interesting
0: movie. Incredible movie. And very award-winning yeah. movie. Uh, and you,
2: it's like you're watching from above and you see the intersections of all these people's lives. And uh, I think there's, uh, you know, I, I actually post pretty regularly on my, on my social media about another intersection in my life. And really it's about my life coming full circle time and time again through this work. Someone who comes back into my life. This morning a guy showed up in the kitchen. His name was Pedro. Uh, You remember me? He's like, no, who are you? I worked for you 20-something years ago at the the Four Seasons. I don't remember. Sorry, Pedro. A lot of people work for me. What are you doing here? How can I help you? And, well, I'm a private chef now for someone in Newport Coast, and he's traveling. He's like, just spend the day cooking some food and go give it to somebody who really needs it. He's like, I don't know who really needs it, so I made a whole bunch of food and I brought it to you. It's like, wow, just another one of those moments because somehow he knows from – 20 some years ago that we're doing this work and they're they're just life comes full circle you know wow. if you live a full life you go at it to the same way you came into it you're old and you can't take care of yourself and feed yourself just as when you're born and I think that circle of life or what I call the intersection to life it's for me it's so exciting when I see those intersections collide and they come back to us so cookies to today yeah
1: <laughs> well let me tell you your story is amazing, um, and we appreciate you. You guys are part of our chamber now, of course. Um, I know Mitch, Ruben spoke very highly, of course, of Bracken's Kitchen. Um, and is there anything that the public and everybody listening to needs to know that's coming up, anything? How can they get involved or I mean, just share with us before we close out the show, because Paul's giving me the sticky <laughs> eye I got like two minutes. Time? It where goes
0: do, by that fast. Where to donate, websites, how to get involved, volunteer. Follow you on your you social food, media, you said, yeah, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I've never been one to, to self-promote, but obviously www.brackenskitchen.org, I mean, everything there from volunteering, donating, whatever. But I think if there's anything uh, I would want to say in closing is just slow down and love people around you and, man we live in such a broken beat-up world right now it's like if everybody would just Slow take down. a moment yeah and look at the person next to them and realize i don't know what they're going through yep i know what i'm going through but i don't know what they're going through and whatever they're going through how can you help that just say hello be friendly yes. the barista at starbucks while you stand in place and you order say how are you today i mean it's amazing of just a little bit of love what a cascading impact that, that could have. Of course, we love any support. Visit the website, whatever. But the best way I think you can help me in this world is just to show a little love to the people you pass on the street today.
1: Wow. Mr. Chef Bill Bracken, award-winning chef, founder of Bracken's Kitchen an OC-based hunger relief nonprofit, over 100,000 nutrition meals monthly to the underserved communities, over 450 tons of food rescued between 2021 and 2022, and he has great culinary training programs also that you've launched, right?
2: Absolutely. And Starting our second class.
1: Wow. And so who can join those or be a part of those? They go to your website, all website. the information's there?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, the low-income, underserved population that never have a chance at college or higher education, we, we we are so blessed to be able to give a path out of poverty. We have two students right now in the kitchen cooking their graduating class their are graduating meal That's you know awesome. uh, another class starting in three weeks this is this is a big highlight for us that we got this going now
1: bless you for all you do i know you're a man of god i'm i'm a man of god too and and thank you. and i know that you've said that many times on the show today and by you blessing others i think god continues to bless you brother Absolutely. thank you for being on our show it's been an honor thank you having you on our show we will share the link with your people who've reached out to us um and uh you know there'll hopefully be some people here leaving some comments we'll share it with you have you have pr people now man <laughs> that are reaching out to me i mean who would have thought small city country boy right you got pr people reaching out to me you know well, for
2: the right reasons now you know <laughs> yes
1: right well thank you so much for thank being you. here bill we Appreciate wish you all the best thank you. anytime you want to come back to the show right paul we, we love to have them. As long as I bring
0: Especially cookies. Especially if you right. bring cookies. Yes. <laughs> I
1: now, know <laughs> No, next time I want you to bring some of that chicken stuffed ham. What is it that you call it?
2: You you got more excited about the carnitas and the chicken <laughs> cordon bleu. So we'll bring both, okay? <laughs> we'll
1: bring both. Well, folks, there you have it. Mr. Bill Bracken, executive chef here, award-winning chef. Thank you for tuning into our show again every Wednesday. Uh, follow us on Facebook. OCHCC, our Instagram, our social media at Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce on our Facebook page. And uh, continue to support our chamber. If you want to join our chamber, reach out to me or reach out to us on our social media. And thank you for joining us again today. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Mr. Chef Bill Bracken, for being here today, sir.
2: Thank you,
0: sir. Well, there you have it. If that's not a tasty treat, I don't know what is. An amazing story. The type of stories that you only hear when you meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County. Brought to you by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station. OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.